Um, the first time we recorded this uh, episode, cryptocurrency was at like an all time high. The second time we're recording it, it's like dropped like it has not 40%. been that long. So it has not I, been that long. Like we record <laughs> weekly. This is this. I know we took a break from here, but that's and go on, go on. But. So by the time this episode comes out, you may or may not want to get involved in cryptocurrency. Welcome to the Pink Tax Podcast, a no-nonsense podcast for millennial women, building wealth and smashing the patriarchy, one dollar at a time, with your hosts, Janine and Tara. Hey, Tara. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. I'm sad that I screwed up my audio file and now we have to record the episode again when I dislike the subject (laughs) (laughs) that we're talking about. This is the second time we're recording this episode on cryptocurrency. And as you will see in this episode, or I guess as you will hear, Tara does not like cryptocurrency. So let's dive in and learn why Tara does not like cryptocurrency. So Tara, why don't you tell us a little bit about why you hate cryptocurrency? And then we'll get into kind of what cryptocurrency is. Yeah, well, I've never liked cryptocurrency. And the longer it goes on, the more I dislike cryptocurrency. I don't think it's acting the way that everyone promised that it would act. Everyone said this was going to be a disruption. It was going to democratize banking. It was going to equal things out. And it's just not doing that. And it, it bothers me. It bothers me so much. So yeah, I mean, we can talk about what it is and then I'll probably have to pause and go on a few side rants as we discuss what cryptocurrency is and what it's based on and why I just don't love it. Yeah. Yeah, let's let's dive into that because I think I've seen a lot in the media recently around cryptocurrency, specifically actually more recently around Dogecoin, which we will get into kind of altcoins later, but we've also seen a huge rally this year on Bitcoin and Ethereum. So we've seen two of these kind of larger, more mainstream cryptocurrencies that um, have really rallied. I think Bitcoin almost hit um, $80,000 Canadian for one Bitcoin. Um, And I think we've seen it kind of go up and down. But the last time we've seen a rally like this was really in at the end of 2017. So to kind of back up, Bitcoin was created by a guy named Satoshi Yakamoto. I think that's right. I, Nakamoto, yeah. Nakamoto. Well, and they don't know if it's like one dude or like maybe a bunch of people. Like it's very like no one knows. And they don't even know if he exists um, yeah. or if it's like a, a name. Um, there's some interesting documentaries on Netflix. It, yeah, sorry. It is Satoshi Nakamoto. Um, and it started in, I think, 2000. 
2009. It sounds about right. Uh, yeah, 2008. Yeah. Um, and anyways, Bitcoin was created to leverage blockchain technology to create a currency that, like you said, could be democratized and could never kind of be defrauded because you're basically taking out the middleman. So if a transaction happens, so you take money out or you pay someone one Bitcoin or whatever, that transaction is put on a ledger. So we can think of that as kind of Honestly, I think of it as like a pen and paper where you would write down what happened. And then all of these other computers in the network and people doing tech things verify it. And then it is on the ledger um, forever and can never be changed is kind of the best way I can think to simply explain the technology behind Bitcoin. Yeah. And, and here's my first problem with it. So the whole reason for Bitcoin was they were like, with digital currency, it has to go through a central system, through like a settlement systems, a clearing system, a bank, or multiple banks, and they verify the transaction, and they put it on their ledgers, right? But the banks see the ledgers, no one else does. So it sounded nice, like, okay, we'll have one ledger, everyone can see what's going on. But the basis is that you don't trust the bank or that you don't trust the bank can't be hacked or whatever, but you still trust the person that you're having the transaction with. And like, I think that's already broken down. Like by the time I looked into this in like 2011, I think that had already broken down, you know, like I don't know anyone who like doesn't trust any of the banks around the world enough to like only use Bitcoin. And then the other thing too, so like the validation of the blocks, like of the blocks themselves and stuff like that, it's a fun math puzzle, but, and, and yes, it's like more secure and should be more transparent, but it's like a really energy intensive math puzzle. And I just think it doesn't do anything else that like trusting a central bank wouldn't Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think, I guess, what has been interesting, I'm definitely more pro-cryptocurrency, I think, than you are. But um, what has been interesting, I think, about Bitcoin is that there is a set limit of Bitcoins. I think there's 21 million. And as we get closer to that, as more Bitcoins are mined, um, the price is going to go up. So I remember reading an article that in like 2010, some guy paid, it was two Bitcoins for one pizza from like Papa John's or something. And, you know, those two Bitcoins today could be worth like $100,000. So it's interesting how that's changed over the years. Um, And where I think that's different from Ethereum is Ethereum's technology is actually around smart contracts, which I actually think if you know, Ethereum as a currency doesn't work out. I actually think there's some really interesting applications of that technology. So I think maybe in summary, what I like about Ethereum and Bitcoin isn't necessarily the currency per se to like pay for things. Cause like, I would never like go into the store and be like, Hey, here's my 0.0005 of a Bitcoin for some bread. I think I, what I find interesting interesting is the applications of the technology um, that have kind of been created with these coins. 
Yeah, but then it's like, it's not functioning as a currency then. And like blockchain is fine. Blockchain is fine. It's just a technology and it's what we do with it. And I think what we've done with it is absolutely bonkers. I think it's hugely speculative. You don't want a currency that's going to fluctuate that much. Could you imagine if like one day you were like, hey, bud, and and you let's say you put it in Ethereum too. So as soon as you, you know, both like validated everything and we're good to go, like that program is going to run. There's no stopping it. And so let's say when you agreed on it, you were going to pay somebody, um, you know, what was worth two Canadian dollars. And then by the time the transaction completes, it's like 200 Canadian dollars. Like that's, it's hugely volatile. It definitely is. A, a, it has a lot of volatility. And what's also interesting, obviously, is um, not like stocks. It's literally traded all of the time, like 24 hours a day. So mm-hmm. when you're asleep, something could be happening kind of at some place around the world that could be driving the price up or down. So um, I think that part of it is risky for sure. Like you would never want a ton of your investment portfolio in one Bitcoin, um, or one, I guess one Ethereum or it would be multiple Ethereums. But, um, Mm -hmm. what I also want to talk about is the fact that there are all these other coins that in my opinion, I think some of them are made up. And when I say made up, I'm maybe more specifically talking about Dogecoin. So that started as like a a meme in, I don't know, 2016, 2017. And it was literally just like a joke on the internet and it's blown up this year. And I think we've seen that there has been a lot of investments blowing up this year based on pure speculation, based on people on Reddit kind of banding together to uh, pump up the price of a stock or um, an altcoin. And I think at the end of the day with some of those coins, if you don't maybe necessarily understand the technology behind it or understand what it's trying to do, it can almost be a game of like musical chairs and you don't want to be the person kind of left without a chair at the end. And I think that could be the risk there with some of those alternative coins. Yeah. Well, I think it's a risk with Bitcoin as well. Like just because it's doing fine now, I think there's nothing, there's nothing to it. Like Bitcoin is absolutely useless in, if it weren't being traded, if it didn't have some sort of, uh, speculative value to it, if it wasn't being pumped up by, you know, just people who are, are marketing it basically, like if it weren't for marketing, Bitcoin would be absolutely useless because I don't think it's a great use of blockchain. I don't think that because the way blockchain was developed, I don't think there's a real way that you can, you can, I don't know, profit off of it the same way you can. But as soon as you package it up in, um, you know, something flashy and call it Bitcoin or Dogecoin and get a bunch of people really excited about it and tell people you can make a bunch of money off of it all of a sudden things shoot up. So like, that's, that's, that's like kind of bad news about the stock market too. Like you don't, do we want it working that way? No, we don't want it working that way. And I think, um, you know, we talked about this the first time, um, 
we recorded this and I messed it all up. I was saying it's kind of like the greater fool theory. Like we're just hoping to in over inflate this, this asset. And I don't even consider it an asset. It just happens to be working that way. So we've like completely overinflated it. We've completely hyped it up and we just hope that somebody else will buy it off of us before it completely crashes and goes to nothing because it's, <laughs> it's nothing. There's nothing to it. Like, I feel like, um, anybody who's like really pumping this stuff up, like to an extreme, like it almost feels like they're like a snake oil salesman or something. Like you have to know that it's overinflated. Right. Well, speaking of snake oil, um, I think it's interesting that Elon Musk, and we did talk about this the first time we, <laughs> he's like, uh, like that's snake, way, snake oil snake snake salesman. <laughs> peak. Yeah. <laughs> like he has a ton of influence and, and we'll get into some companies that accept Bitcoin, but he was accepting for a while there. He made an announcement that he was going to be accepting Bitcoin for, um, purchase of a Tesla. And then probably he realized that that was a bad business move because like you mentioned, by the time the transaction is over, potentially it could be at a very different value and he could either, you know, win or lose when it comes to um, making revenue on that Tesla. But it's interesting that, you know, Elon Musk like tweets and Bitcoin like goes up or down based on what he says. Right. And that's, that's why I think it's like completely bonkers. Like anything that has anything real behind it, um, you know, like with real tangible value, that's providing some sort of use to our society. I don't think would have that much fluctuation. I really don't. Or the stock market has gone completely wild and nothing means anything real anymore and it's completely disconnected from reality yikes that's like an episode of black mirror right well yeah and i mean it could be like we're just trading on the secondary and i think we you know saw that with gamestop like once you're trading on the secondary market and it's completely disconnected from um the actual like operations of the the business itself with the exception of dividends being paid out if you're only looking for growth, you can make it go wild. <laughs> Let's back up and explain what the secondary market is just for anyone who's listening that may not know. Okay. So like the primary is an IPO where you're buying shares directly uh, from the company itself. So when you pay a dollar for share A, that dollar is going to the company and that's how they're raising capital. That's how they're raising funds. So Tara, so Coca-Cola has decided they're going to go public. Mm -hmm. Tara buys one share for $1 from Coca-Cola and Coca-Cola gets $1. Yeah. Yeah. And then if I then share my, sell my share of Coca-Cola to you, that's the secondary market. For $2. For $2. So Coca-Cola doesn't get those $2. You get the two. I get the $2. And then I, I have gotten any dividends that they've paid out to me at that time and then you are going to get any dividends that are paid out to you in that time and any sort of like growth in their valuation but if none of this is making sense and we've just got a bunch of growth that actually is completely meaningless then all the valuations are shit so i don't think it's, it could be they could be 
And that's why I don't think it's really great to have stuff like GameStop happening. Like, I mean, GameStop was really funny um, and I was pretty fine with it. But I didn't understand why anyone didn't see the connections between something like GameStop being able to happen and then, you know, one tweet being able to complete, well, not completely decimate, but take a bunch of value away from from Bitcoin itself. So there's nothing under there creating any value. Like, there's absolutely nothing. It's just sentiment. It's just we, we decided it has value. So what were the problems that with current banking that Bitcoin was supposed to fix for us? Like, why was it supposed to be a disruptor? Why was it supposed to be a big deal? Because we had blockchain since the 90s. So like, what was this supposed to do? I think a couple of things. Like one, I think it was supposed to be more secure. It was supposed to be a currency that like more people could access and use. But I think also it was supposed to reduce fraud because it would be impossible theoretically to defraud the blockchain. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So the, the way I heard it, it was supposed to, you know, make things more democratic and that we would be able to, uh, you know, have better trust in the system because everyone could see it. Everyone could see the ledger and see what was going on and all of that. But because it's like limited, it always felt to me like this is just, it's the same as trading, you know, a gold coin from the 1700s. Like, does it have a value? Sure. But that's because it's rare. It's like more like a piece of art than it is like a currency. And I think it was like, I don't know, heralded as like, this is going to take down the banking system. Well, I think it might take out sovereign currencies because this like makes it fixed. This puts us like back. If, if a country was to take this on, it puts us back in the same place that we were when we had like a gold standard. Like we have a finite number of these things depending on which blockchain you're using, right? Um, and I think if we were to adapt this as kind of like a universal currency or a global currency, something that everyone was able to use, because it's finite, we're not able to actually make it democratic because at its core, it's limited. And something that's democratic well, should be, and I know they keep bringing this up, like it's validated by consensus and stuff like that, but there's limitations to participation. Like you have to have a computer. You have to understand blockchain to a certain amount. We don't have fully universal democratized education, so we can't have a fully universal democratized currency. It's impossible if you don't have the education piece first. And I think then by making it fixed, like, creating a limited supply of something, like anything. Like once you make uh, healthcare in limited supply, like once you make the latest, I don't know, we talked about handbags before. Like once you create like a limited edition something, you see that those things like are only held by the people who already have the most wealth and power in our society. And they don't end up helping the people who are most vulnerable and, and most um, directly impacted by these 
massive fluctuations in our monetary system or in our economic systems. Well, the more I read about modern monetary theory, which we have talked about in previous episodes, the more I think that the limited supply on Bitcoin is an issue. And I would say that the EU is actually a great example of kind of what has happened because a lot of countries gave up their kind of sovereign currency in in a way of speaking to adopt the euro. And so I believe it was Italy that um, Stephanie Kelton in her book, The Deficit Myth mentions that ended up was it Italy or Greece, Greece that ended up kind of going bankrupt? It was Greece yeah. um, because they were on the euro and had they kept their own currency, that wouldn't have been the case. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, when reading up on on Bitcoin and and other cryptocurrencies using blockchain technology, it's based on the theory that an increasing an increase in competition will eliminate exploitation. But we can see like at uh, a high level scale when you're talking about like the impacts of a single currency in the European Union, which I love a lot of things about the European Union, but there are hiccups. And competing with other countries does not limit exploitation. Like we can see globally that has increased exploitation we don't have and so we can see that like at a lower level too competition is fine if you're talking about a purse but competition isn't great if you're talking about food and if the first people that are going to get paid in bitcoin are going to be like uber drivers or other gig workers i'm going to be super pissed off because those usually are the people that are not going to be able to afford to have massive fluctuations in currency it's it's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that something that is this volatile that can increase in value or decrease in value overnight based on some rich dude's tweet is a, a viable yeah. source of income for somebody who just wants to like buy a fucking apple. No, totally. And I think this is actually something I want to jump into. Um, but I do have a list up of kind of companies that accept Bitcoin. And then I, I remember from our first episode, we were trying to find companies that paid um, in Bitcoin. And I don't think we found any that only paid in Bitcoin, but I think a lot of companies are giving that as an option. Um, but companies that accept Bitcoin are um, Wikipedia, Microsoft, and AT&T as kind of the most popular companies that accept Bitcoin. Um, 36% actually of small to medium businesses in the U.S. accept Bitcoin. Okay. So also places like fast food, so Burger King, KFC, Subway, uh, Pizza Hut, they accept Bitcoin. I'm so mad about that. I'm so mad that fast food restaurants are going to be like are accepting Bitcoin in terms of payment. So let's say you buy your Big Mac with fucking Bitcoin and then the next day the Bitcoin massively increases in value. So your costs haven't increased at all, but your revenue off of that one item has increased like potentially, um, you know, by orders of magnitude. How dare you? Because they're not going to pay the person that took 
that transaction that made that burger that did all that fucking shit. No, they're going to ensure that those people are still on food stamps if they can help it. Like, or if they can't help it, I suppose. Like, holy fuck. Sorry, I just went on a real rant there. No, no, I think it's going to, at the end of the day, it's going to be the the people in the corporations that benefit or the corporations that benefit from, except for those large corporations that accept Bitcoin. Um, There's some- That's egregious, actually. There are some sports teams that accept Bitcoin as a method of payment for tickets uh, in the U.S., 4chan, which... Oh, gross. Yeah, that is very gross. Um, Let's see here on this list. So there's a whole bunch, actually, if you Google who accepts Bitcoin. Um, But I think what's interesting is how do you... Like, I'm trying to think of like, what if like a hotel accepted Bitcoin, right? Like, okay, so your nightly rate is what? And what happens if your four night stay, the price of Bitcoin does this? Yeah, you can never, you could never, um, you know, sort of plan for that in terms of cost or like posting the costs of your services or goods. This is why I think it's like completely uh, like absolutely unbelievable. Like, I don't know how we've been dealing with like, I've been talking about this to people for 10 fucking years now and every single time like I mean this is why and I I said it on the first time we record this this is why I'm poor 10 years ago my husband was like do you think I should buy some bitcoin and I was like I don't fucking like it and he's like "Mm, buy it then and now we're poor but also I don't like I don't understand how something like just through fucking marketing can can do this kind of shit like nothing has substantially changed in our system absolutely nothing has substantially changed in our system and now you can have private blockchains to do the same thing so like why wouldn't banks just do private blockchains they're still the only people that can see the ledger. So now we don't even have this transparent ledger. And now you're just using blockchain to make sure that the the encryption is secure. Fine. Tokenize fucking everything. But like, don't tell me that it's going to change anything dramatically. Nothing has been changed through Bitcoin. It's being hoarded. It's a completely like, it's just a fancy hat for rich people. And they're trying to get us to buy one. And I don't fucking understand. I don't know why I'm buying this fancy hat that I can't wear. I can't use. It can't get me food. And if I don't sell it at the right time, it might actually put me in the poorhouse. No, no. So this, this is really going to piss you off this thing that I just pulled up. Um, so I was looking for companies that pay in crypto and like I said, I don't think there's like any one company that's like, we only pay in cryptocurrency. I think you always have the option if it is uh, available, available to be paid. But I found this letter to the editor of the site market watch. Mm-hmm. And um, this person said that they did some work for a company and the CEO stated that I could be paid in crypto. Mm-hmm. Um There was a clause in the contract, though, that did say the company may elect to pay in USD. Oh, my God. So just wait, Tara. (laughs) So um, in August of 2020, this person received payment uh, for the contract work in cryptocurrency. And since that point, um, so I'm not sure of the date of this article, uh, May 22nd, 2021. So very recently, we know the price of 
Bitcoin has gone up substantially. So this person has seen 700% um, gains mm-hmm. in this crypto. <laughs> I can just see you because we do have our cameras yeah, on. Sorry. And I'm trying to build some suspense here. She's just not, not looking forward to what I'm doing. Not having next. it. Yeah. It's not great. It's not a good ending. So the CEO wrote this individual a letter saying that because they didn't generate any revenue for the company um, and are not doing any follow-up work to please send back all of the cryptocurrency and build the company in USD. Yeah. Why would, honestly, like then they must've used Bitcoin because if you had done Ethereum, like why wouldn't you just have built in that into the blockchain? Like make that uh, a, a secure contract. So then as soon as like, has the work been completed? Yes, it has. Okay, the code's going to run and pay you in, in Ethereum. Double Ethereum. Anyway, um, I don't even know if that's possible. I'm just running off my mouth. But like, yeah, of course. You basically just said like, pay me the lesser of two things. Yeah, it's a great way for companies to make money. Yeah. You just said like, I, I when you negotiated that contract, you basically told them like, I believe that my service has no value to you because I will let you determine after I've done all your work for you, what my time was worth. And you are going to choose the lesser of two because of course you are. See, I would add in, you have to pay me the larger of the two. Yeah, and I'm not going to sign that. Like, of course, oh my God. (sighs) Bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. I know, wild. So with that, I do want to dive in. I, I, yeah, I wonder the legality of that. Obviously it's in the U S so I can't really comment on U S employment law, um, or U S contract law, but, um, I kind of want to talk about mining it because I think that that's when it originally started, that's how a lot of people were getting bitcoins, but now mining Bitcoin has become this like incredibly challenging process. And if you actually look at like a heat map of the world, you can kind of see where there are like these super labs of computers mining Bitcoin. I know there's one in like Serbia and Russia um, that because they just emit so much heat. Um, so I wanted to talk about kind of the the ecological impacts of mining Bitcoin and how it is not very green mm-hmm. from a currency perspective, but also um, I think like mining used to be a way that people could make money just by sitting at their computer and it's not that anymore on an individual level. Yeah, because I mean, there used to be a lot of it out there before. It's like panning for gold, man. Like there's fewer and fewer things left and these nuns codes, and I'm not going to pretend like I understand like a lot of this, basically to do the mining and validate the transaction and do all these things, like you have to get a valid like nunce. No, you change the, the nunce thing until you get a valid, um, like it's a hexadecimal code, right? So you get a val- valid like hash. Um, but you're just, it's just a puzzle. Like it's just a puzzle. And you at this point, like it's harder and harder to get something that's valid. The transaction's still there. You're you're looking at it. Like all the details are there, except the little piece that will allow you to securely connect it to the chain. And of course, like there's gonna be fewer and fewer ways that like miners are gonna be able to get like pieces of Bitcoin or whatever, or if you like 
set up your computer to just kind of like, I will basically donate energy for like somebody who's good at math to be able to do this. And this is, this is the other thing that bothers me. They're like, well, you know, um, especially with Ethereum, it's free to download, you can program it, you can do all this stuff. And it's like, but not everyone can. Like, this is not the same as like pressing a button. This is, you have to have a computer, you have to like have a certain ability, you have to like have all of these things that make it completely inaccessible. Oh, like, yeah, of course, fewer and fewer people are making money. And it's costing us more and more energy. It's like, we're just lighting our own planet on fire for fucking fun. And I don't understand, like, there's so many better ways to do this. Yeah. If you just wanted to encrypt stuff, like, just trust the central banks. You want more central banks? I'll give you more central banks. That's fine. More central banks. And, you know, a better system. Because basically what you're saying is you don't trust the system. Fine. It's a piece of shit. Like, a lot of people don't have access to banks and stuff like that. But, like, it's not because of, like, the U.S. dollar as a currency. It's not because of the Canadian dollar as a currency. It's not because, like, the people working the computers at the central bank, like, are, like, being shady. And that's when they're, like, doing stuff. No, it's because we're not putting in checks and balances for people who have a lot of power. I think something that would be more democratic would be a fucking global wealth tax. That would be way more fucking democratic than this shit. Anyway. Tell us what you really think. <laughs> right. Now, for people that do want to get involved in cryptocurrency, I guess I would say that it is absolutely risky. And I do think that you maybe obviously we can't give investment advice, but obviously don't throw your entire portfolio into Bitcoin either. So I always caution people to, if they are interested in looking at Bitcoin and Ethereum or altcoins to have maximum like one to 2% in their portfolio um, of their portfolio in, in some of those coins. And I know that it can sound like trendy on the internet and you hear people talking about it and, Oh my God, I made so much money, blah, blah, blah. But with great reward, I guess, comes great risk. And I just, I do want people to be careful when they are listening to this. It's not somewhere to start for a new investor. I would treat it similarly to, I would treat money for gambling or betting on a stock that is a company that I haven't really researched. And so it could go to zero. Um, I also could make some money off of it. And like, I personally have um, not very much, because again, I don't keep very much of my portfolio in cryptocurrency, but I think um, it is interesting the fact that it has come out of the woodwork a bit more recently and there are apps and um, there are actually ETFs now that you can invest in um, that are kind of tied to Bitcoin and Ethereum. What's interesting about that is prior to uh, those ETFs being created, you couldn't put coins in your TFSA or your RSP. So I guess if you are looking for some growth and you do want to kind of unlock the power of that TFSA, might it might be the place for it. I'm, you know, I'm not saying that it's like that's 100% true or or it's going to be different for every single person, but I guess it's interesting how in the past, you know, even 3 to 5 years our government has obviously accepted cryptocurrency a lot more because there weren't like those ETFs have to get approved. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and there are countries that have like straight up banned cryptocurrency and said this is like nonsense. We're not allowing it here. Um, I think China has, haven't they? Uh, I don't have a list in front of me. The one that stood out to me was Bolivia. Um, mm. I don't know that China was on it. I do want to mention quickly, though, that um, there is like some I've seen it a couple of times where people don't think cryptocurrency is like taxable because I don't know why they think that, but what it 100 percent is. So if you make gains on your cryptocurrency, you do have to report it on your taxes if you sell it um, and yeah. realize those gains. So Good just God. just a, a word of warning. Um, but one thing I also wanted to dive into in this episode just quickly um, is nfts so have you heard of nfts yeah and i was gonna ask you what you thought of those i think like this is if bitcoin was a the first bastardization of the applications for blockchain chain this is just ethereum had so much fucking potential to like not be a piece of shit and doing this having the first thing that you can encode in a block and making it a fucking meme, I just, what world do we live in? We live in the internet memes. But this, this <laughs> is the thing. So for anyone who doesn't, oh, go on. For anyone who doesn't know, NFTs stand for non-fungible tokens. And my understanding of them, uh, not that I'm an NFT expert, is the ability to use the blockchain to basically create ownership of digital assets. So things like, the world's first tweet. I don't remember how much it sold for as an NFT, but it was something stupid, like tens of millions of dollars. Um, memes have been like the original memes, even though everyone can use that meme. Mm -hmm. Somehow the original meme is like millions of dollars. And I think the, the thought process around it was a way to get creators paid for their work. I think that's bullshit. I honestly think that's a bullshit. <laughs> that's a bullshit excuse that these like NFTs were created to have somebody like, you know, whatever, get paid for making a meme. Like people have been fucked over for memes and the shit that they, like as content creators, the stuff you put out on TikTok and stuff like that. Because if nobody's advertising, like let's like say nobody's advertising on your YouTube or whatever, you're not making money off of that. But like, a media company, a newspaper, a whatever, can take your snip off your YouTube or can take your meme or can take whatever and then the advertisers pay them for your fucking content. So we've been screwing over content creators for a long time. So this is bullshit. It's also bullshit that it creates ownership. What I think it's trying to do is to create some sort of way to impose ownership on something that's like open source on something that's meant to be a common good a common tool a whatever because nobody we already discussed this nobody owns memes nobody owns memes they're funny shit that you vomit out onto the internet it's not a lot of artwork if like if you want a digital artist to do something for you you fucking pay them that's how you pay them you pay them they're the the memes are for everybody. The memes are for everybody. The memes are for hey, everybody. Hey, don't take for memes. Yeah. No, this is complete bullshit. Also is complete bullshit. What if you say, I own the all the things meme, and then just nobody uses it anymore? 
it's just gone. So sure, yeah. I've got it in my little Ethereum token, but it's fucking worthless. I want to back up though. You said something interesting. You said we've been screwing over content creators for a long time. I was actually having a conversation today um, around the fact that a lot of content creators and influencers are predominantly women. And so I wonder, you know, what is the relationship with cryptocurrency and women? And also how do these NFTs fit in there? And does that mean obviously correlation does not equal causation, but does that mean that we with blockchain in a way are continuing to screw women over when it comes to being paid for their content creation? Yeah, I think so. Cause like when you're, when you're buying that NFT, are you paying, let's say the lady that, um, you know, created the, all the things memes maybe, but probably only if they're a celebrity, like, no, you're probably going to pay, like, I don't know, whoever posted it the first time or whoever, like, stole your joke or whoever, like, this is bullshit. This is absolute bullshit. No, you're not going to pay the women. It's almost like I think of kind of like trademarking when I think of NFTs, but kind of like not because it's not exactly that, but it's like a more terrible way to trademark the Internet. Yeah, it's it's very... It's disconcerting. It's so disconcerting because it doesn't actually do anything for ownership. Like, I don't know, like, it was that, I don't know, first tweet or whatever, or first meme or, like, whatever has been sold as an NFT. Like, I can still retweet that shit. I can still find it. I can still screen cap it. I can do whatever the fuck I want because it's the internet. And it's just another way to, like, make the internet terrible. You know what a great way to make the internet not terrible would be? It would not be terrible if, like, my data and my search history was, like, not being sold. You know what we could tokenize? We could tokenize, like, my fucking web history. That would be great to make sure that, like, I am not going to be like targeted and I don't, I don't need to see it. I don't need to see all the data that has been collected on me because I don't give a fuck. What I care about is that when it reaches the corporation that they see a token, they can see data in the aggregate. They don't need to know fuck all about me and they don't need to make demographic assumptions. And I think that would be a hell of a lot better than fucking NFTs. No bullshit. But where's the money in that? There is no money in that. There's no money in a lot of things. There's no money in this. This is completely fake. This is complete and utter bullshit. <laughs> Janine, it's complete and utter bullshit. Um, we know how Tara really feels about cryptocurrency, but if people wanted to get started in cryptocurrency, I do think that sharing a couple of places that they could potentially uh, get started in trading, and who knows, um, the first time we recorded this uh, episode, cryptocurrency was at like an all-time high. The second time we're recording it, it's like dropped like it has not 40%. been that long. So it has not I, been that long. Like re-record <laughs> weekly. This is this. I know we took a break from here, but that's and go on, go on. But so by the time this episode comes out, you may or may not want to get involved in cryptocurrency. Um, but if you do, there are a couple of places in Canada that you can. Um, Wealth Simple does offer a cryptocurrency platform. That being said, they do charge very, very high fees. Um, Coinbase, I think, also does allow Canadians, but again, high fees. Um, so I would say CoinSquare is probably one of your better options 
for cryptocurrency if you're not looking at ETFs. Um, ETFs are available through discount brokerages. Evolve has, I think, a couple of Bitcoin and Ethereum ETFs, but the thing with that is obviously the markets are not open all the time, though you can put it in your TFSA or your RSP, um, and you're, you don't actually own the, the coins, right? So it's, it's secondary trading um yeah because it's part of an etf so well and i was gonna say about like wallets and stuff too so let's say you own some bitcoin like actual bitcoin right you you have the all the things right and so you have your private key and stuff like that and everyone's gonna tell you to like do the cold storage thing which is basically like writing your super ass long um like code which is numbers and digits in hexadecimal and like literally writing it down on a piece of paper and putting it in a safe because you forget that then you don't get your monies you don't get your bitcoin okay so i struggle with that because i'm like i don't have enough money in bitcoin or ethereum that i need to care about that but i'm like what the fuck is the point of the internet if i have to write down on a piece of paper this this is the thing it's (laughs) it's literally reinventing banks like it's reinventing everything that we went through with real physical like gold fucking coins like coins drives me absolutely batshit so then when we get to these wallets and stuff like that either your private key is insecure because then you have um you know if somebody like hacks your computer and you've just saved in like your keep file or something like that they can see your fucking hexadecimal code and then anything that you wanted to encrypt whether it be uh bitcoin or what have you like you're fucked because you have a public key and a private key and now everybody has the one that you're only supposed to know and and if you go on these wallets then you don't even have if you have the ability to change your password to access your bitcoin you don't actually own bitcoin and so that means that if somebody again doesn't want to give you your money they don't have to you know like this is this is all kinds of batshit fucking crazy why can't they just why can't they just scan my eyeballs do and we then want them scanning your eyeballs? Do we need They already it? have it. They already have it. I understand. The government already has my eyeballs. I'm in Nexus, man. They have my eyeballs and they have my fingerprints. I don't give a fuck. I understand that they do, but like again, I don't think that they should. This is this does not allow for any autonomy. They said it was going to allow for autonomy. It doesn't allow for any autonomy. I'm not like and when it comes to like eyeballs and fingerprints and all that kind of stuff, like No, we don't actually need that to have a secure system. What we actually need to have a secure system is to limit the ability of rich and powerful people to exploit those who are not rich and powerful. And we don't need to scan anyone's eyeballs to do that shit. We don't. This is fucking nonsense. Sorry. You're probably right. But until that point, I will continue to want to make technology easier for myself. I don't want anyone knowing about my eyeballs, man. I don't want anyone knowing more about my eyeball than I do and my optometrist does. Like, no. <laughs> no. Okay. So Tara's not signing up for Nexus. I am um, not. <laughs> eh. <laughs> All right. So I guess to close out this episode on cryptocurrency for the second time, let's pray we do not have to record a third time. Yeah. If people were to be paid in Bitcoin, who 
would be the most, I guess, who would lose the most? Uh, And I think we can agree that it's probably vulnerable populations and likely women. Yeah. And I think it's important to bring it back to this because when we talk about building a feminist society or having a chic recovery from the COVID pandemic, there's a lot of things that get thrown around around technology. You know, we live in Alberta, oil and gas is dead. We need to invest in technology. And I think it's always important to make sure that we are keeping in mind how those technologies actually affect people and the ethics of those technologies. So I don't know, I'm not an expert when it comes to cryptocurrency and those technologies that stand behind it, but I do hope that the people making the decisions leverage expertise around those technologies and make sure that they're considering all the viewpoints for every type of person, not just the rich, um, when it comes to building those policies and, and building a society that supports everybody. enjoyed this week's episode let us know what you think on facebook twitter and instagram the pink tax podcast is recorded in the treaty 7 region of southern alberta our music is provided by margo you can find her work at noisebymargo.com sound editing by peter dobson if you'd like to support the pink tax podcast you can make a donation at liberapay.com slash pink tax podcast and submit a five-star review on apple podcasts